0: And so when I learned about social entrepreneurship, which was, you know, both the sort of direct impact working with uh, customers or the beneficiaries, and the sort of sustainable business model, I was like this, I think this is the sort of nexus that I want to work in, yeah. Hi, and
1: welcome to the podcast Making an Impact. This is the podcast where all aspects of working in the global impact sector are discussed. My name is Ellen Rask, and I will be the host in this podcast. In this episode, we will meet Lizzie Merrill, who is the chief operating officer at Ignisha in Ghana. Lissy will let us know how her work helps small-scale farmers improve their farming capacities, what it's like to work with a social enterprise, and how to develop a successful innovation project. So, let's get started. Today I'm very happy and honored to have Lissy Merrill, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Ignitia in Ghana. Lissy, welcome to the podcast, Making an Impact. Thank you so much, it's great to be here. You're welcome. Uh, First,
0: I'm of course very curious to hear about what is Ignitia. Yeah, so Ignitia is a tropical weather forecasting company. It's headquartered in Sweden, um, but we operate mostly out of West Africa. It's a social enterprise, so Well, this main innovation is this tropical weather forecasting model we've created. What we do with that is send weather forecasts to small-scale farmers in the region so that they can improve their farming practices, improve their yields, and hopefully increase their incomes. And you send that to farmers all around the world? or Just in West Africa right now. The forecasting model was built for tropical weather patterns. Uh, It turns out that... Global models and global weather models don't measure and don't predict tropical weather patterns very well. So if you travel to the region, you'll notice on your phone that a lot of the times the weather forecast is just wrong. So the scientists that created Ignitia figured out a better way to measure weather, and we've managed to create a model that's actually twice as accurate as the global models. So what then happens is every morning we create a rain forecast for that day and the next, and we'll send that to farmers by text message so that they're able to know what to do that day and the next around the rain. Uh, Most of the agriculture in the region, about 96%, is actually rain fed. So weather is one of the largest impacts you can have on the farming season. And what's your story? What's the background of of Ignisha? Yeah, so Ignisha actually was started back in Ghana. It is headquartered in Sweden, but it was really started in Ghana back in 2010 when Lisa Smits, the founder and a group of scientists, decided to move here and create a better weather model. It took quite a few years, um, three to four years to really build this model and to keep testing it and making it better. Um, And we sent our first forecast back in 2014 to farmers. And it's just been growth since then. We work a lot with the mobile network operators here, uh, the telecom operators like MTN, for example, and Yeah, we now have just been scaling since then, growing our presence. We're operating not just in in Ghana, but in Nigeria and Mali and soon to be the rest of the region as well. And the scientists, how did they come up with the idea from the beginning? Yeah, so that uh, that was Lisa. She was a, a researcher at the University of Washington in the United States, and she noticed that while... The, there was a ton of satellite data, like some really high quality satellite data around the equator. The weather models for that region were notoriously bad. And she's an entrepreneur at heart um, and a scientist at heart. And so that problem sort of fixated, she became fixated on it. She said, how can we solve this? How do we? How is it possible to have such a wealth of data um, and no solution for these people that really need it? So she just burrowed down and figured it out with, the, with a team of scientists. Being a social enterprise
1: as you are, how do you work with the more traditional aid organizations?
0: Yeah, so we actually operate uh, more in partnership um, with a lot of these aid organizations. We offer a technology that can really help augment and amplify most of their programs. Aid agencies really have the sort of resources needed to make a difference, particularly within agriculture. We found that weather can act as a value add to nearly all of these programs. So we actually, while we do operate directly with farmers and sort of have a business that works, you know, direct to consumer, we also can work with these aid agencies and development agencies to help make their programs better. So for instance, if they're working in climate smart agriculture or if they're trying to build better agricultural practices, adding weather into that can only help improve uh, both their own programs and sort of the growth of our business.
1: What would you say is the role of social enterprises like yours in the aid
0: sector then? Uh, yeah, social enterprises are they're really the sustainable next step to aid um, within these regions, whether it's West Africa or you know other areas in the tropics or in the developing world, um, it's it's very hard to reach a lot of these beneficiaries, a lot of these people. I mean, the sort of last mile problem is, is a massive uh, problem in agriculture and in aid around the world. Um, and so while aid can be a really good first step for that, um, like I said, they have the resources, but if you really want to make lasting change, that's where social enterprises can step in. Uh, you know, we have models or enterprises that are self-sustaining, um, and so with, you can continue running without the help of fundraising or donations. So an aid can be the first step, and then if you can transfer that into some sort of social enterprise, that's where you're going to continue to really see an impact and reach more people in perpetuity.
1: How come uh, it was West Africa that was chosen from the beginning from your, for your area of work
0: uh, yeah, it was really the sort of uh, perfect trifecta of the region. One, uh, we did want to work in agriculture. Um, we found that in terms of sort of global impact, agriculture was where there was the greatest need. Um, and West Africa is dominated by small-scale farming. Uh, not only that, but it's dominated by small-scale farming that's rain-fed. And finally, less of a sort of uh, impact answer, but it was, for the most part, English-speaking Um, And so a lot of the other regions that would have made it more difficult to to begin operating there immediately. What's your own background? Yeah, I I actually started out in the development sector, um, working for NGOs and think tanks. um, But I moved fairly quickly into this uh, sort of the idea of using business for social good more broadly. I got my master's in Edinburgh and then moved to San Francisco to work in corporate social responsibility. And it was there that I became immersed in this world of social entrepreneurship. Sort of met some really interesting entrepreneurs there who were working both within San Francisco and globally. And so I met one of them there and I got the opportunity to actually work with a social enterprise in Ghana. And I, I just jumped on the first flight over.
1: That's an interesting move from the development sector to the social enterprise sector. What Can you elaborate a bit more on that?
0: Yeah, I... I've always wanted to have a positive impact on the world around me, and which is why I initially moved into development, it seemed the most uh, direct route to do that. But I found that there were no problems within the development sector, that it is very largely fundraising based. That means a lot of the funding comes with conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's not as well researched as it could be. A lot of this is improving, but it's, there were problems within the the development sector that I, I wanted to see if I could solve. And so that's why I moved into corporate social responsibility. I figured if, if it was, you know, reach and resources and more sustainable business that also wanted to have a positive impact, then maybe corporate social responsibility was the answer. Um, so when I was there, I then got a little bit frustrated as well, because especially it was maybe... Oh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, a lot of the corporate social responsibility was actually sort of within marketing um, and not within operations. And so I said, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be just greenwashing things. I want to actually be having an impact. And so when I learned about social entrepreneurship, which was, you know, both the sort of direct impact working with uh, customers or the beneficiaries and the sort of sustainable business model, I was like this, I think this is the sort of nexus that, I want to work in, yeah. But you want, you started with the
1: development or the, the aid sector. What made you go into that field of work? And why didn't
0: you choose social enterprise from the beginning? I wasn't aware of social entrepreneurship from the beginning. Um, it's you know It has been around now, I'd say, for maybe 20 years, but it's really only taken off. Um, I guess it's been along for longer than 20 years, but it really only sort of has become... It's just becoming more popular uh, recently and now. And so I, if I had known about it earlier, I would have started immediately. Entrepreneurship is not uh, something that I had thought about. You know, I'd never sat there and said, oh, I'm going to start my own business. Um, It was, how can I, how can I help people? Um, And so then I discovered that you can actually do both.
1: (laughs) And why did you, why why do you think it's becoming more popular these days?
0: I think because it was sort of a new concept. Um, Even it, in, you know, when it first started, you had a lot of talk about, you know, charity and aid organizations and development. And, uh, you know, it was very sort of us versus them, you know, can we, how do we give people money and this whole changing the way people do development to involve the people that they're helping to really try and do grassroots. And from the bottom up, uh, is, is becoming more popular because it's shown to be more effective. And so if you can Create an actual business in these communities. It's, you know, one, you have a positive economic impact, but you are sort of building solutions on the ground for the people that, with the people that need them.
1: What would you say is the most rewarding about your job?
0: I would say, oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) I'd say, it's funny, the most rewarding part of the job is that every single day is different and that I. Being here on the ground in Ghana, I get to see sort of the good work that we're doing every day. You know, I I do get to go out into some of the more rural areas and speak with the farmers that we're working with and, you know, even speak with some of the aid and development agencies that we're working with. And just hearing those stories is, knowing knowing that what we're doing is actually having a positive impact is probably the most rewarding thing.
1: And what is the most challenging, you would say?
0: (laughs) Are there any challenges? (laughs) Oh, yes. There are a lot of challenges working in uh, social entrepreneurship, particularly with, within West Africa. Um, I'd say it's almost the this other side of the same coin, which is that every single day is different. Um, this is a difficult market. We are doing something entirely new. Um, you know, this is we're really one of the only people who have created a weather model specifically for tropical weather patterns. And it's reaching these customers is really difficult Um, so you have to be flexible you have to be persistent (laughs) you have to just uh, know that every every day is going to be different and that's both a good and a bad thing
1: being uh, in a new uh area of of work you could say that you are what what do you say what do you think is the 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 main factor to 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 change the environment Uh, or the perception of, of of your business of this area?
0: I'd say the most difficult thing to change or the sort of mindset, uh, you know, there are of course infrastructure problems in Ghana, the power goes out sometimes. Uh, But if if it's really the environment and the sort of way that we are perceived, it is very difficult to explain to people who have only been involved in uh, the more traditional development or aid sectors that we are actually charging um, these small scale farmers money. It's a very small amount of money every day. Uh, but a lot of people come at it from if, you know, these are the quote unquote poorest people in the world, how can you charge them for a charge them for a service or charge them for the forecasts? Uh, but we found that, one, uh, if it really works, people are more than happy to pay for this sort of agricultural input, this this technology that can really improve their lives. And that if people are paying for it, they assign a greater value to it. Um, it means, you know, it also Proves that what we're doing is successful and therefore can be sustainable. If you just give something away, people will use it because it's free I and mean, everyone loves free. But when you can create something that people see real value in and actually want to purchase, then then you know that you can have a business model that can scale and an impact that can scale with it. And so, sort of changing that mindset, or explaining to people that you know, while we do work with the same types of farmers and people that a lot of the aid agencies work with, that we can we can operate as a business.
1: Do you have a good example of when Ignitia have had a very positive impact, concretely?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, we have. We uh, we do talk to a lot of our farmers. I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of farmers that subscribe to our service now. So. Uh, but we have one in particular who. Uh, the one thing I also really like about Ghana is that, you know, you're WhatsApping with the people that you're <laughs> working with, and so we have this one amazing farmer uh, about a north, an hour north of Accra called Enoch, and he started using our service years ago, three or four years ago. Um, and the first year we went out and talked to him, and he he told us about he works with both cocoa and maize about how the forecast helped him um, save a lot on his inputs. So if he would use this um, sort of fungicide pesticide for his cocoa, if you spray it and it rains, all of it is washed away, which is then bad for the rivers because it has chemicals in it, but that also means that the input that you just spent a lot of money on uh, is wasted. And so he was able to know when to spray and when not to spray, which led to greater cocoa yields. Um, And so then the second year we went back and we started talking to him again and he'd actually done even more. The second year he had gone and we had forecast since a seasonal forecast that said it was going to be much, much drier that year than it had been in the previous years. And so he decided to take a small loan and make the investment to buy a water pump so that he was actually able to irrigate because he knew that if he wasn't going to get water, then his yields weren't going to be high. Um, And because of that, he was more than able to, you know, double his yields and, Cover the cost of the water pump, and he actually then started renting out the water pump to the rest of the farmers. So he made a side business out of that as well. But so to see these this farmer, you know, like Enoch, who year after year can keep making improvements and changes, um, and then being able just to WhatsApp him, his, you know, it's great.
1: <laughs> Which skills would you
0: say are needed if one wants to work with a social enterprise like yours? Uh, probably just grit and persistence. Um, you hear that a lot, so it's sort of a boring answer, but it's, you know, it's, it is difficult. Um, it's difficult. Like, you know, as you mentioned there, you know, sometimes you encounter, uh, mindsets. This is, you're working with very hard to reach customers in a difficult environment. Uh, the market is new. Um, there's not always the sort of market infrastructure in place that you need. And so it's just, being creative and persistent, coming up with ways to solve problems that you never expected you were going to have, you know, solve the problems that you expect, but then you come up with problems that you didn't even know were going to be a problem Um, and learning how to do that quickly, think on your feet and just keep doing that over and over again.
1: And as you have both uh, experience from both uh, the aid aid sector and the social enterprise sector, what would you say? I mean, people like that haven't that experience, uh, haven't haven't been with social enterprises before but working in the aid sector at this point in time but would like to move what
0: recommendations would you have for them? I actually I'd say they're in a really good place because one of the most important parts of a social enterprise is actually building so that you find the business model where the profit and the impact actually go hand in hand Um, and designing business models like that can be quite difficult where the more you scale um, the better it is for your business, but also the better it is for your your customers and your beneficiaries and so people who are on the ground working in aid are very aware of what is working and what is not working i mean they 'll you hear about you know water projects, for instance, where five different interventions as they call them, five different ways of getting water, clean water into a village have happened over five consecutive years and if you 've been involved in the sector, you can know which one is. Is really the smartest one and so if you can use your knowledge of what's working and what's not working on the ground to then find the right social enterprise find one that's actually doing well by doing good and then move into that you have you sort of have a a base of knowledge that someone who's just coming from the US or Europe or who hasn't really been on the ground wouldn't wouldn't know or wouldn't have and what would you say is the receipt do you have a particular receipt for a successful innovation project I almost want to say that there's not a recipe for that. Um, every situation is so unique. Um, so you you hear about, it's really, it really is just being on the ground here and working with the local factors, the local culture, the local environment um, to build something where all of the incentives are aligned. Uh, because, you know, if you can find that nexus between impact and profit, there are, you know ways to align those incentives for the community, for the environment, and for the business, and it's finding the business models in each of the sectors that do that. I you know that was not a very uh, clear answer i guess I guess if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> you're probably so it, right, yeah. It's not, it's not an easy thing, but those, there are more and more social enterprises that are, that are cropping up all around the world um, that are doing that. And that's not just in West Africa. Uh, I mean, I'm originally from the US and you'll find, you, know, you find problems in the US um, that people are building social enterprises around that are also very sustainable, fixing, fixing problems there. So.
1: Thank you so much, Lucy, for participating in the podcast and sharing your
0: experiences with us. Absolutely, thank you so much.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you found it interesting to learn more about how social enterprises work and their role in the global impact sector. If you want more information, check out our website www.impactpool.org. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.